On today's show, we wondered whether the Milwaukee Bucks were going to make a trade, and they did. So they ended up having two picks in this draft. They got up to pick number 56 and took Andre Jackson Jr. And uh, we have just seen them pick up at number 58. An interesting name that also had a little bit of a storyline attached to it during tonight's draft as well, if you were following along on Twitter. So there's a little bit to discuss tonight. Uh, let's chat about what the Bucks did at the draft. Backs him down. Giannis into the lane. Giannis spinning. Fading shot. Up. Good for Giannis at the buzzer. Bucks win it. Monday to Friday, and also find my work over at ESPN. Alongside me, the founder of BrewHoop.com and longtime voice of the podcast, Frank Madden, for today's episode that is brought to you by Bird Dogs. Go to BirdDogs.com slash LockedOnNBA today, and uh, they'll throw in a free custom Bird Dogs Yeti-style tumbler with every order. That's uh, BirdDogs.com slash LockedOnNBA. As always, we thank you for making Locked On Bucks your first watch or first listen of every single day, and we're doing a bit of a an old school late night pod tonight because the draft has just wrapped up. That is a long production. There's no doubt about that. That's about a five hour broadcast that we've just watched. So we're probably looking a little bit tired here, but interesting night for the Bucks and a little bit to break down. So we appreciate the support and we know that everyone gets excited about what the Bucks are doing at this time of year, heading into free agency as well. So if you haven't done so, subscribe, drop a like, a comment, get involved in the conversation as you always do. We really appreciate it. Uh, one last quick note, June 28th, next Wednesday, Broken Bat Brewery, the live podcast. Frank will be there. I'll be there. Eric Name, Camille Davis, Justin Garcia. Uh, so we're going to have some fun at Broken Bat Brewery next Wednesday night. Uh, come down and say hello for that. But tonight, the draft. And, you know, there wasn't much indication of when this was going to happen. I'd almost given up on the Bucks making a trade during this draft, Frank. We were kind of texting. We were wondering what could happen at pick 58. And then the Bucks did make a move for pick 36. And there was certainly more exciting picks uh, that they could have got if it was one of the Pacers' earlier picks in sort of 28, 29 range. Um, but ultimately, we've discussed this a little bit. In this draft where there are so many players in the same position, wings, which the Bucks have been looking for over previous years, they get Andre Jackson Jr. in a trade that, I don't know, maybe you're going to say something different. But ultimately, they didn't have to give up a lot to the Orlando Magic. Yeah, I mean, we've seen ownership the last few years. It has, Bucks have generally been buyers in the second round rather than you know teams selling picks. And, uh, you know, as fans, hey, you got to say uh, it's a good sign when, when owners... We don't know how much they spent on the second round pick. Uh, but to get 36 for cash and a 2030 second rounder. Um, pretty good. We'll take yeah. it, you know, um, especially given just the limited draft capital that obviously they had, especially coming, you know, Drew Holiday trade and Jay Crowder trade, right? Drew Holiday trade wipes out all your first round picks, essentially that you can move. Jay Crowder trade <laughs> wiped out the cupboard clean of second round picks um, for the next few years. But 
so yeah, good value to jump up all the way to 36. Shout out to John Hammond, John Horse, former boss for throwing, <laughs> throwing the bucks a bone. Um, and also just sort of highlights as well with some, you know, so many of these picks concentrated in relatively fewer teams. Um, you know, we saw like the Pacers friends, right? I mean, it's like, they're, they're not going to roster five rookies, right? So the Pacers were trying to get off of picks, push picks, you know, punt picks down the road, et cetera. So good value for the Bucks to, to add that higher second round pick. Um, and yeah, I mean, Andre Jackson Jr. I mean, one of the, one of the guys that I actually was somewhat aware of because of uh, him being a, a key part of that national championship UConn team. And uh, such an interesting prospect because, I don't know. I feel like so many of these prospects, you know, like the Jordan Wars, right? Like it's like, yeah, you know, a guy who's good at pretty good at shooting, scoring in college. And does that translate? Like, I don't know. Right. Um, Andre Jackson Jr. is a weirdo. He's he is not your typical draft prospect. From a skill set perspective, to be clear. Yes. Yes. Not not, not to cast aspersions <laughs> on on him. So what, what he's like as a person. Um, but, you know, a guy that averaged, you know, six points, six rebounds and five assists a game as as a, a six six guard by the way i'm i'm once again with a baby um i'm not in a car this time last time I'm i was podcasting from a car um you know kane when you have a baby like you try not to waste sleep when you're not sleeping so my wife hey. who's still up watching tv at midnight um was just like i yeah, keep that baby up for a little bit longer and then we'll try to get her sleeping when when we actually go to sleep so so she's burning the midnight owl oil her first draft my my six-week-old daughter um but uh, but yeah, so I mean, Jackson's just a, a very very unique player, right? I mean, to to try to come up with with comps for him is is very difficult, right? You, you know, I, I hate Draymond Green comps, but you know, people will throw out like kind of smaller Draymond Green. He's just about six five six five and a half without shoes on, so you know, with shoes maybe he's like six seven something like that. Um, 198 pounds at the combine, uh, what six ten wingspan? You know, nominally called a shooting guard, but doesn't do a whole lot of shooting cane. Uh, that's pretty much the one thing he does not do. He does do a lot of guarding and uh, just a unique player. I mean, you watch the highlights of him. If you watched him play, you know, really athletic guy, loves getting out in, in, uh, in transition. Um, you know, dare I say, Kane got that dog in him defensively. Mm. Uh, so really energetic defender um, guy that is a, a really willing passer, great vision Um and for again a six six guy who can't shoot at all, and it's not just that like he's he's his jump shot is developing. I mean, you watch him shoot like his jump shot looks broken, right? <laughs> like, I don't think you look at him and say like, oh, you know, there's there's some upside here that he's going to become a shooter. Probably safe to guess that he's never going to be, uh, you know, a passable NBA three point shooter. Stranger things have happened. That's obviously a skill that develops, but wasn't a good free throw shooter in college. Um, he was up over 30% his, his sophomore year in college on, you know, a few, few attempts a game, but then dropped back down into the twenties in his junior year. But, um, but yeah, just a really unique player in terms of his ability to, to find guys, um, his unselfishness, his vision, um, you know, again, he's that kind of winning player, right. That, um, that certainly we saw at UConn, no coincidence that he was such a key part, you know, really the, the, the best playmaker on the national championship team from last year. And, uh, but obviously a very, a very unique player, very different from what you would expect um, in terms of a playmaker, right. To have a six, six guy who doesn't shoot um, to be, to be in that type of role. And, and it's not like he was scoring a lot of other ways too. I mean, again, he averaged six points a game 
Um, so uh, just just a very different type of player. And I think um, you know Daniel Marks, who who was with the Bucks for for a number of years, he's now at at Howard University. He tweeted out a comment about you know how like he couldn't imagine this type of pick being made during the Bud era, right? Like being able to shoot was a prerequisite, right? Because the whole thesis of the Bucks offense was how do you put shooters around Giannis? And so this is a, a very different type of player and it could not work at all. Right? He could be unplayable, you know, in important situations because of the lack of, of shooting or, or maybe it's not, maybe he's not, you know, maybe he's again, second round, you know, if you can get a guy that, that becomes a rotation player, even in the regular season, uh, eventually uh, that's, that's a win. So, um, you know, it's, it's always this challenge, right. Of, of the bar for the bucks is well, like, you know, how do you break into that top seven or eight playoff rotation, right? That's really what the bucks need more than anything. But, you know, again, drafting from the second round, even the high second round, it's really hard to find those types of players. And uh, so, so we'll see odds are, you know, neither uh, Andre Jackson nor Chris Livingston are, are, you know, 16 game players uh, for the bucks in the playoffs. But, um, but, you know, part of this is just get more shots at it, you know, yeah, you drafted Marjan Bochamp on the wing last year. You had another couple of wings this year, different types of players that do different types of things. And hey, if one of those guys can pop and and figure it out and become a good NBA player, I think you'd call that you know a victory as a franchise to to come away from with this crop of of guys and and get somebody that that can really play. So um, so yeah, I think Andre Jackson, I think, I think he's gonna be a fun summer league player, uh, oh. you know, with his passing and intensity and energy and, and defense. Um, and so obviously the big question is just going to be like, you know, how do you, how do you work him into a team built around a guy in Giannis who obviously has, has typically been best complimented by, by floor spacers, which Andre Jackson is not, but he does a lot of other stuff. You know, I was doing some reading, obviously, as as a lot of people listening to this podcast will, and you were, Frank, and, and a lot of it was, or one of the things that was pretty specific, and I can't remember who wrote this or where it was, but it basically said, he's not going to be able to score in a half court, but in transition, he's going to be a threat. And it reminded me of the conversation we had a couple of days ago about Bochamp and his running patterns and playing with Giannis. And one of the thoughts I did think is, it could be pretty fun if you got Bochamp that can throw down dunks. You got uh, Andre Jackson that's going to be the, the, uh, going to be doing the same thing, and Giannis is probably going to have fun uh, playing with those guys uh, as well. So another bit of news has just dropped uh, as you were talking. There, a two-way player for the Bucks. We'll get to that in a second, and then Chris Livingston uh, also with pick fifty-eight. So a few names uh, still to get through here, and uh, as we are recording this, this is straight after the draft, so these names drop through. So. I thought there was a chance we'd get some Bucks news, but we'll get to that uh, after we talk about our friends over at Bird Dogs because I tell you what, it is uh, it is getting hot. I am in Milwaukee right now, and it has been hot, and I've been wearing shorts every single day. But the only shorts you should be wearing are Bird Dogs because uh, they are designed to f- uh, fit slimmer through the thigh and leg, giving you a truly sculpted look. They fit way better than regular shorts. And they, are, uh, they, are, they fit way better than regular shorts that are usually made of stiff, restricting cotton. Bird Dogs fixed this issue by inventing cloud knit fabric that looks just like khaki but stretches so you get a way slimmer fit without having to sacrifice uh, any movement there. And let's face it, that's, uh, that's the main thing. You've got to be comfortable, but you've got to be mobile as well. So go to birddogs.com slash NBA for a free Yeti-style tumbler with your order. 
That's birddogs.com slash LockedOnNBA for a free Yeti-style tumbler. You won't want to take your bird dogs off. Uh, we can promise you that. All right, I mentioned it at the top. Uh, June 28th, Broken Bat Brewery next Wednesday night. Come and listen to us talk about uh, probably anything else we've learned about uh, these rookies that the Bucks have drafted. We did hear some little snippet from Woj about Brook Lopez tonight. Uh, we'll be talking about that certainly over the next few weeks. The Chris Milton opt-out last night came way later than felt necessary for someone that was trying to do a podcast, but it came through and we expected it was going to happen. But the point being... There's going to be plenty of news to discuss. And I think overall, it's just going to be a fun show next Wednesday night. So if you're around and you're free, uh, come down. So I mentioned just before we went to the break there that there was some news. So Woj tweets out San Jose states, Amari Moore has agreed on a two-way contract with the Milwaukee Bucks. So I just very quickly pulled up his stats, but a four-year man at San Jose State there. Uh, The three-point shooting numbers, again, uh, don't, look all that impressive 22 years uh old but a 6-5 uh type uh, guard slash wing there frank so probably fits the mold i don't know how much we'll we'll have to discuss there but chris livingston maybe we'll go to him next anyway as we work through the pecking order here pick 58 had to wait until the very last pick of the night he was in the building uh maybe it wasn't that surprising that he was in the building frank because he probably had a sense that he was going to be drafted because during the night shams sharania was tweeting some stuff and i and i hadn't heard a lot about Chris uh, Livingston to this point in time. Uh, but going back to June 8, Sham said, Kentucky's Chris Livingston has cancelled all seven of his remaining workouts for the 2023 NBA draft, fueling belief that he's received a draft promise from a team. And then Sham's updated that tonight by saying, Clutch Sports CEO Rich Paul began calling teams in the second round and requested them not to take Chris Livingston. It's believed Livingston has a set draft spot in the second round. Uh, I guess that was the very last pick of the night and the Milwaukee Bucks. Uh, This is interesting. I can't remember seeing this too often publicly anyway. I mean, I think we all understand that uh, these types of things happen from time to time. Yeah, and, you know, an interesting player... Uh, just coming off his freshman year at, at Kentucky. And, and this is a, you know, hundred percent pedigree type of, of play. You know, he averaged 22 minutes per game for, for Kentucky last year, you know, didn't put up you know, numbers that, that really jump off the page. Um, I think he shot about like, I think he shoot like 30% from three, something like that. Um, and another guy in that kind of wing mold, he's, he's a bit thicker. He's at six, six, um, Interestingly, almost a seven foot wingspan, over 220 pounds. Um, so he is, a, a, you know, Andre Jackson, I think, plays strong and physical, but he's, you know, again, kind of like Marjan Bochamp last year. Um, you know, Marjan, I thought was kind of wiry strong, but was basically like a 200 pounder when he landed in Milwaukee. Jackson's sort of similar, whereas Livingston is is a bigger dude, right? I mean, he's 220 pounds. He's he's uh, he's not a small man, 37-inch um, vertical uh, I would say watching kind of like highlights of him play, I don't, I don't think he looks like a super explosive guy. Um, I think, you know, he read the scouting reports on him. He, he is known for being athletic, strong, um, et cetera. His jump shot looks actually pretty good to me, um, certainly from a projection standpoint, especially given that he's only 19 years old. Um, I think he's an interesting guy. But, you know, again, you go to his his recruiting information. I mean, he's a consensus five-star recruit. Um, you know, in terms of his, his rankings, ESPN had him 12th in his class uh, a year ago, rivals 11, 247 sports, 16. So, 
so this is a guy that going into college, obviously there was expectation that that he was going to be a first round pick at some point. And, you know, I was reading something from Sports Illustrated, even like it was like from April and it was like projection, you know, mid to late first round. Right. Because, again, just this assumption that, well, I mean, he's a he's a top 15 you know, recruit, went to Kentucky, has the physical tools. Sure, why wouldn't he be, you know, a a a, a first round bath pick or or a guy that that is like a high second or something like that? But, you know, obviously the uh, scout, the uh, NBA scouts probably ultimately came to a little bit different conclusion. Um, interesting to ponder, right? Like, okay, if he doesn't shut down his workouts, you know, could he have gone higher? Maybe we'll see. Um, but you know, again, this is a guy that that has a you know pretty impressive pedigree. Played in the Jordan Brand Classic, the McDonald's All-American game. He was an all-freshman SEC guy last year. But again, I mean, I don't think you'd look at what he did, um, you know, in college last year and, and say like, oh, yeah, you know, that just like screams, you know, future, you know, NBA rotation player or something like that. So, um, so yeah, an interesting dice roll. Uh, I'm curious, you know, we, we will get to it in a minute here um, with Amari Moore getting reported as, as getting a two-way contract um, here right after the draft. I'm curious if Livingston, obviously he's, you know, he's not like a foreign player that you're expecting to, to stash like Hugo Basson last year. Um, so you would assume he will have every chance to, to be with the Bucks this year. But, you know, is he a guy that is actually going to get a roster spot at 58? Eh, you know, those are typically the spots we've seen it with Mamu uh, previously. Uh, you know, the guys that are drafted towards the end of the second round, those are now often guys that that are getting two-way contracts rather than full NBA contracts. And you know, I don't think the Bucks are too worried about you know chris livingston not being eligible for the play for the playoffs next year if he's a two-way guy so um so we'll see kind of what they do my my assumption would be that you know andre jackson will get one of those new second round exception contracts so potentially up to a a four-year deal with the fourth year team option starting at around two million dollars um and then we'll see with livingston right i mean i'm i'm excited right about getting getting two guys plus a, a new a new um uh, two-way guys, exciting, right? We're gonna have, we're actually gonna have hopefully some guys. Hopefully they stay healthy and can play in Vegas during summer league. So we'll have something to look forward to there, alongside Marjon and and hopefully AJ Green. If presumably AJ Green is back, my guess on a on a two-way contract again. Um, so we'll see what happens, with Chris Livingston. But again, maybe he's a two-way contract, or you know maybe in some ideal world he looks really good in Vegas and you know he's able to snag one of those um, one of those real roster spots, but. I don't know. We'll we'll have to see kind of how that plays out. But uh, but yeah, I mean, hey, for the 58th pick, sure, why not, right? Gamble on a guy uh, with pedigree, and uh, you know we've seen lots of guys who go to Kentucky don't necessarily jump off the page in terms of what they do as freshmen, um, but then they get to the NBA and and that pedigree kind of shines through a bit more, and and they end up uh, becoming pretty good players. And and again, not just you know, not just Kentucky, but Oak Hill, right? Of course, Bucks fans. Uh, a guy named Brandon Jennings. For, I, I'm trying to remember if there are other. I'm, I'm sure there have been other Bucks who have been uh, Oak Hill Academy graduates, but um, Livingston played his last year of high school at Oak Hill as well. And so, uh, so yeah, this is a guy that you know again has been one of the best players at his age group um, for for quite some time. And so we'll see if uh, we'll see if if he can make the next leap to, to the NBA level because certainly his first year in college was a was a bit of a challenge. Well, the point you made. Uh, a little bit earlier there about 
the cancelled workouts. If you want to be glass half full, just tell yourself that he would have been pick 42, pick 43, and then uh, you, you'll feel much better about it. But the two-way conversation is interesting. I've actually got some stuff here from Sam Vecini's draft guide. I, thought I just want to read out, and then yeah, we get to Amari Moore, AJ Green, what it all means. So we'll get to that uh, after I talk about eBay Motors, our sponsor of the podcast today for a championship team. It's all about making sure every player is a perfect fit. It's the same when it comes to your vehicle. Every part needs to fit just right. So the next time you need parts and accessories, head to eBay Motors. With eBay Guaranteed Fit, you can be sure every part you need fits right the first time around. Just add your ride to my garage and look for the green check to know how the part will fit or you'll get your money back. Because just like in sports, confidence is the name of the game when you shop on eBay Motors. With over 122 million parts to choose from, you'll be back in the game in no time. After all, it's easy to bring home a win when the right parts are guaranteed. To get the right parts, the right fit, and the right prices on ebaymotors.com, eBay Guaranteed Fit, only available to U.S. customers. Eligible items apply. Exclusions apply. All right, so this is from Sam Vecini's uh, draft guide, which uh, if you've got to spare... Uh, seven days, uh, you'll be able to read through uh, <laughs> word for word because it is uh, is about 130,000 words or something like that. Sam actually lives in Melbourne now. I caught up with him before I came over to the US and he was just explaining to me the process of writing this thing. Uh, I had a headache just listening to it, but it's pretty cool for this instance uh, when you get a chance to go straight to the player uh, that is in the mix. And the interesting thing is with Chris Livingston, he had him in the category of uh, basically, had potential two ways stash guys, but he had Amari Moore as pri- a priority two way player. It basically rated a little bit higher than Chris Livingston, and maybe it's because of some of the things uh, that we've just discussed there. But as I was going through uh, his summary here, he says, I don't think Livingston would be among the first 10 names to whom I gave two way grades. It's possible he could be become one of the top 30 players in this class way down the road, but I bet. The first team who ends up with him doesn't get to experience that value, which doesn't fill you um, full of confidence. But I think it, it gets to your point where the, it seems like it, it's going to be hard to see how a guy at that point breaks into this rotation, particularly at the wing. And then where does the development come from? But when you talk about two ways, if it's Amari Moore, and we know this, this can change a lot, but Amari Moore, AJ Green, Chris Livingston, where would you prioritize AJ Green. And I know we're talking about prioritize in terms of the back end of the roster, but I know there are a lot of Bucks fans that are interested in the shooting because ultimately the Amari Moore scouting report that I'm reading says that he's improved as a shooter as, as the years have gone on. But certainly Livingston and Jackson, it's not a strong suit. And this has gone away a little bit from what the Bucks have done in the past, which was what Daniel Marks was getting to with Sam Merrill, Jordan Wara, these guys that that's all they could do was shoot. Yeah, I mean, I think the thing with AJ Graham and, and, and a year ago, right? I mean, I think I, I, certainly I was a skeptic that AJ Green could, oh, could too, hack yeah. it, right? I think we were both skeptics. It felt like, well, you know, why are we wasting a two-way on this guy, right? Um, but to his credit, I mean, he shot the shit out of the ball mm-hmm. and he did it from the jump in, in the NBA. And the most important thing was he could just come in in random games and first catch, put it up, bury a three. And so he had one elite NBA level skill. And, you know, I thought he competed 
well, yeah, about as well as probably he could given his tools um, so that he had a role. And again, you know, in a, I don't know, on a Bucks team that you have Giannis, you have this massive, you know, gravity well um, that, you know, teams just collapse to uh, a guy like AJ obviously can, can, can be of use. Cause if he just comes in and, you know, hits three threes and, you know, four minutes or something like that, like suddenly you can sort of change the tempo of a game, even if he's obviously not going to be, you know, a high level defender, you know, he doesn't create stuff off the dribble, you know, et cetera, et cetera. So, um, so I think with, you know, with, with these, the, the, the new guys, the, the rookies that, you know, potentially you're adding tonight, obviously the skill sets are, are different. Um, you know, and I think the, the, the thesis here is that you're gambling on guys who are more, you know, physically gifted, have better mm-hmm. physical tool sets. And, you know, I personally, I've always, and, and we talked about this year with Marjan Bocha, I mean, my view in terms of like how you uncover, you know, upside, especially when you're trying to fill out those eight man rotations, right. For, for, for the playoffs. Um, I mean, typically it's like, you know, spending money and, and, and energy trying to take guys or, or try to shoehorn guys that just can't defend at all or defend well um, is just tough. Like, I, I think it's really hard to teach guys that don't have physical tools to be good defenders. Like you just can't typically do it. Right. Like maybe if a guy's got physical tools and he's just not focused, you can mold that a bit. Um, but typically, you know, my general view is start with guys that are toolsy. Like I would rather, I would rather, especially in the second round, right. Where all these guys are kind of digital. I would probably, unless the guy is like super, skilled um in terms of you know scoring or passing whatever it might be um i would i would typically say like i'd rather just roll the dice on guys that are you know younger toolsy athletic and you know maybe there's some signifiers or indicators that that they've got some shooting upside even if it's not there yet and that's the reason why they're not you know higher picks um and again i think it's it's different with each of these guys i think that we're talking about you know Chris Livingston is super young. I think the the scouting report from Sam is really interesting. You know, he's a guy that the reason he was a five star prospect because they think he matured early, and basically he was you know a big dude who dominated from like you know his freshman year of high school, and then over time he just you know now he's six six. He's not like you know power forward sized guy against middle schoolers or something like that, right? Like he's he's still I'd say physically gifted, um, but his physical tools are are good, but they're not like going to entitle him to domination um but there there is a skill set there and i think it was interesting like with in his case you know sam said that he's you know really liked how he's a kind of a battler defensively and he actually works hard and you know it seemed like he he understood that he wasn't going to play at kentucky just by being you know a five-star recruit who could score a lot when he was you know 16 years old or something like that so um so we'll see like where with a guy like livingston like you know I think Sam's critique was he's really slow to load shooter. So just couldn't get up volume. So again, maybe Chris Livingston's role is like really kind of physically gifted, big wing defensively. And, you know, you can park him in the corner and he shoots enough, has enough athleticism, you know, in transition, whatever it might be. Right. Um, I think with Andre Jackson, (laughs) again, like just watching him shoot jumpers, like uh, it doesn't seem like it's going to happen. Right. He's 21 years old. He's played three years in college. You know, if something was going to happen there, probably would have started to happen, right? Doesn't shoot free throws well. 
Um, so I think you're kind of betting on everything else, but he's got this kind of premium playmaking defensive agent of chaos thing going on that I think is just really intriguing. And, you know, he's, he's just a, again, just a really unique type of player and it, it may work at the NBA level or it may not. And then Omari Moore, who I know the least about, I've kind of done the least info on, cause literally we found out about him <laughs> while we we're on this call. Um, I think the thing that I thought was interesting about him was you know, he's what six, six, he's a guard but averaged almost five assists a game. Also averaged over a block a game his junior year in college, um, which is an interesting combination, right? I, I always think of Derek White, who, you know, I think has become such a valuable player for the Celtics. I have no idea if Omari Moore profiles anything like Derek White, but I just remember Derek White. He, he blocked like a, like 1.7 shots per game or something like that when he was in college. He had this like crazy shot blocking knack. Um, which I think was ultimately like indicative of some of his defensive tools. And, you know, again, like Omari Moore, we'll have to, I'll have to read the scouting report. I don't know what Sam wrote about his defense. Maybe he's like a terrible defender or something. But, um, but you know, again, I think you're just looking for, I, th- I think especially with Adrian Griffin, right? We, you know, we heard him talk a lot about kind of the defensive side of thing, wanting to get on transition, I think he's a, probably a guy that's going to prioritize. He would want to prioritize athleticism more. Um, I think it'll be interesting to see the decisions made around guys like Joe Ingles, obviously, who you know are very different types of players than you know, Joe Ingles is sort of like the anti of some of the guys that they drafted tonight, perhaps. Um, but uh, but yeah, I, I don't I don't know. It's it's I think going to be interesting to see. Just obviously get a look at these guys. Um, once we get to to summer league and just sort of see like, is there anything here that that could actually give us optimism, you know, over the next year or two? Um, certainly over the next year, really hard to come into a Bucks team as established as they are um, and figure things out, make an impact right away. Um, but again, I think I think you know you're, you're on. I think probably it's more helpful to view this as like just sort of like your portfolio of young dudes, right? So it's. Marjan, it's AJ Green, it's now Andre Jackson, Omari Moore, and Chris Livingston. Go at it, guys, right? Like these guys are p- pretty similar in terms of size, right? Like they're all like six, 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 seven, different types of players, do some different things. Um, you know, hopefully one or two of them figures out how to shoot NBA three, <laughs> NBA three pointers and, uh, and defend at a pretty high level. And then, you know, maybe. Maybe this year, you know, one of them can actually become a rotation player. I think obviously Marjan is the guy that, you know, has the highest pedigree actually has a year of NBA experience. You know, if Marjan could actually make a claim to to be a rotation guy that challenges for minutes in the playoffs, that's that's kind of like the the dream at this point from a player development standpoint. Um, I think with these other guys, obviously, you know, it's it's a longer play. Um, and probably, you know, at least two out of three are are gonna wash out probably. But if if one of them um, actually becomes a guy that, that can become an NBA player. Like you'd probably feel, feel pretty good about it. So who that's going to be, I don't know. Bucks think Andre Jackson is the best chance. Cause that's why they picked him 36, but, um, but we'll see kind of how, how things play out. And again, this is, this is the beauty of Vegas, Kane. We're going to, we only have to wait a couple weeks and then we get to see, see these guys actually, hopefully fingers crossed, knock on wood, actually play some basketball. Multiple players to watch. And uh, this is going to be, about the 16th year in a row that I'm just going to be so excited until I get halfway through the first quarter. So uh, we'll see, but multiple guys to watch. And I think ultimately, uh, 
if you were looking at this roster and we've had the discussion around athleticism and what type of guys you want to add. And again, I think in most people's best case scenario, it was guys that are already playing and had a few years in the league and they come in and they join the rotation, but they've clearly looked and said, that's add some athletes, add, add some guys that can play above the rim uh, a little bit here. So we'll find out. And yeah, hopefully we see something cool uh, at Summer League here in a couple of weeks. But uh, as I mentioned right through the show, there was just a little tidbit from Woj on Brook Lopez. We'll talk about that on tomorrow's show. John Horst uh, was going to talk tonight as well. So we'll get a little bit of insight into why they went down this path with these guys, what went into the trade, and of course the two-way addition uh, there at the end, uh, if that follows through. So uh, can, the, can, the... can we give a little Omari Moore um, little little wet wet some appetites? I've got his uh, his scouting report from Sam up here. Um, <clears throat> this first paragraph feels feels pretty good. Moore has great. We're only going to look at strengths, by the way, Kane. Why mm. look at weaknesses uh, on a, on a you know, at almost one a.m. On draft night, uh, Moore has great size for a lead guard if he can figure out in the NBA as a creator. But he also has good size for a wing, measured six foot five without shoes, near six ten wingspan, enormous hands that allow him to control the ball both as a ball, ball handler and passer. Very functional athlete, fluid hips, has more vertical pop than his testing would indicate because he can leaf off one foot and get up quickly. Had some nasty half court dunks, Kane. Quick twitch mm-hmm. with a solid first step and long strides that cover That's ground. Great. This next part. I think we're all going to enjoy it because we can get visions of, of you know, uh, Omari Moore outplaying his his uh, his, his undrafted status. Uh, played well in both of his big prospect matchups this past season. Destroyed Wisconsin. I, I added the Wisconsin part, <laughs> but destroyed Wisconsinite Brandon Podzimski in a win over Santa Clara. His team got destroyed by Arkansas, but he looked better than both Anthony Black and Nick Smith Jr. in that game. It stood out in the tape, um, and it talks a little bit about him being a pull-up threat. So that's that's at least something. Um, and let me just see here what uh, let me see. My guess is not particularly strong, kind of skinny. Um, needs to improve his playoff ball. I, that, I'm okay. Hey, if if playing off ball is 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 a, is an issue, like I'm I'm not as as worried about that. Um, defense is okay right now. Uh, Sam's a little worried about him scaling up the lineup at 190 pounds can get pushed around a bit. Um, so. Obviously, that, that probably limits how much he's ever going to be able to do defending defending wings. But um, but yeah, he was much better defensively in the early years when he wasn't responsible for an entire team's offensive production, blocked over a shot and over one steal per game in each of his sophomore and junior seasons. As a senior, he was a bit more laissez-faire, and his tape was not awesome. Um, but yeah, basically, Sam says, exact kind of dribble pass shoot player with wing size on whom I love betting. So uh so yeah, I mean, I'm 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 pumped. I mean, Sam had him 44 in yeah. his top 100, right? Um, I think just I, I was just looking a little bit. I was started with with Andre Jackson. I think Andre Jackson, um, the ringer, Kevin O'Connor had him 36. Sam had Andre Jackson 29. Um, Dean Demarcus, Dean on draft, who you know Dean's oftentimes very different from consensus because he's kind of just I think avoids a lot of the group thing perhaps had Andre Jackson 20th um, ESPN big board had him 32nd. The ESPN stats model, Kevin Pelton had him 52. Uh, Jesse Fisher, who also has a, a pretty good draft model. Jesse's a, a good follow had him 49. So again, I think like statistically, like again, very tough, probably guy to, <laughs> to model. Cause he's just such a, has such a weird statistical profile. Um, but, uh, but yeah. And Chris Livingston, again, I think I mentioned six, 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 11 and a quarter, 
um, wingspan, 37 inch vertical. Uh, and I think what, what did Sam have him 62nd, I think, um, in terms of his, uh, his top 100. So, you know, honestly, again, some of this is just take, take, take enough bites at the apple. And, um, I feel like the bucks are kind of due <laughs> for someone to pan out here. Um, but, uh, but we'll see hope springs eternal. It's, it's June and, uh, it's draft night. So, um, so yeah, I guess people can tell us in the comments, uh, who they're most excited about and, and then we'll, we'll have a chance to, to kind of put them under the microscope here in Vegas. Yep. Do that because it is the time to be optimistic. And uh, let's face it. If you in a perfect world, get bow champion that rotation and one of these three guys somehow find a way to be a player that, that changes things because this is a Bucks team, as we said, that are pretty limited. So uh, yeah, this is the time to be excited and talk yourself into those highlight packages and all those dunks that you're going to be watching over the next few days. Cause I did see, uh, a highlight package floating around of Andre Jackson, and it was uh, it's fun, it was pretty fun. It was pretty. He, pretty he, he flies up and down the court. It's um, crazy. It's like, and, it's like uh, Russell Westbrook, Frank. I mean, that's what I was looking yeah. at. Seriously, <laughs> and he can't shoot, so it's like uh, I was like, that's what I was thinking. Yeah, he's he's a he's a freight train in the open court. Um, I think the the I think we should probably mention too one of one of the reasons that was cited for him falling down was concerns about his medicals, yeah. and specifically. Um, his meniscus sounds like he had surgery. I, the only thing I was able to find on the meniscus was that he had surgery or s- some kind of procedure, I think in 2020. Um, and then, you know, I, I'm, I'm not aware of him having anything more recent, but obviously with the meniscus, um, depending on whether it's a, you know, um, they shave it or, or do a full reconstruction. I don't think he had a full reconstruction. Um, you know, doctors may, may look at that differently. So um so we'll see, but, but I don't know. I, I feel like with these injuries, especially like once you get into the second round, right? Like, you know, as I say, Kane, we're all going to be, you know, 2027, we're all going to be dead by then anyway. Like whatever, like, <laughs> like most of these guys aren't going to pan out. Hopefully it's not due to injuries, but if the guy's, you know, able to play basketball right now, then, you know, we saw it with Malcolm Brogdon, which ironically derailed that trade by the, the Celtics yesterday. But, um, you know, Malcolm Brogdon getting red flagged for the foot injury uh, worked out pretty well for the Bucks, and it's worked out pretty well for him so far. So, um, yeah, roll the dice on these guys that that might have some injury concerns. All right, jump in the YouTube comments. I'm sure everyone will have uh, thoughts and and probably p- players that they thought the Bucks should have taken at the picks that they uh, took there as well. So give us the good and the bad uh, that you took from NBA draft night. Still another podcast to come this week so we will be back tomorrow and then we're into the big week of the live show june 28 next week broken fat brewery frank's just a couple of days away from making it back to wisconsin it's going to be a lot of fun uh but make sure you subscribe in the meantime and uh, as i said drop your comments in and let us know what you thought about the nba draft the bucks it was a little more interesting than we thought it might have been maybe you go to sleep tonight feeling good but we appreciate the support and we'll catch you all tomorrow